Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Brian Driscoll with me from IrishBreakdown.com, successfully finishing his dinner just before we get things mm-hmm. started tonight. Good call. Timed it up perfectly. That's right. That's right. Um, some uh, some unfortunate news that just came across Twitter from the Notre Dame football PR team. Uh, Their tweet says, Irish sophomore running back Logan Diggs had successful shoulder surgery April 29th, which was today, uh, after being injured in the Blue Gold game. Surgery was completed by Dr. Brian Radigan to repair the labrum of his left Mm -hmm. shoulder. So so your initial thoughts on that, I guess, Brian, as we... Start things off on a little bit more somber note tonight. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were going to have some fun talking NFL draft, and this just out, came out. It, it's unfortunate for Logan. It, it, it is. You know, he's a kid that, that Notre Dame is, is expecting to to rely on this year. And this isn't a season-ending type of thing. You know, doing a little research beforehand, we didn't get word from Notre Dame how long he's going to be out. So keep that in mind. This is not coming from Notre Dame. Just doing my own research. Uh-huh. Uh, this is an injury that tends to take four to six months for you know healing and all those type of things which you know on the on the low end gets him back at the end of august which is right before the season and on the longer end is going to keep him out for a couple weeks and you know a a shoulder injury for a running back is never a good thing you know and that's the other part of it as well so uh, i I would imagine he's gonna he's gonna at least be out for a good chunk of fall camp if it's a normal tear if it was something like maybe sometimes it can be like minor and you can kind of get back quicker because it wasn't a total a total repair yeah that, that part we don't know. So that's why I wanted to make sure I specified this is a typical torn labrum time frame, not specifically to Logan Diggs because we haven't gotten word specifically how severe the injury was. Yeah. All right. So it, we will uh, we'll be waiting on that. We do know that uh, Jabron Payne, an incoming freshman, will be, uh, you know, will be here this summer and, and in training camp. So uh, – at least they have, you know, someone else coming in to kind of help, you know, fill some of that void because it was a bit of a thin running back room to begin with. And I think Payne was going to be the fifth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If my, yeah. Off the top of my head. Yeah. So he would have been the fifth. So now ostensibly probably going through most of training camp, they're going to have, you know, four guys and a couple walk-ons. So, you know, well, this is why you want five running backs. Exactly. Right? We talked about this when they got Jabron Payne. It's like, look, four running backs, if everybody's healthy, you're fine. I mean, you're, you're good to go. Now you get to three. If you only have three, it's like, okay, should be okay. But then then you start getting into, like, you can talk yourself into, no, no, we'll be fine, which is what Notre Dame did in 2013 when they had four running backs. And then all of a sudden you go into the Georgia game and you've only got one healthy one and Tony Jones Jr. 
and you know that 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 can happen. But this is exactly why you go out and get Jabron Payne because you you think about it like, well, you know, you've already got Chris Tyree, and he's got two years left, or technically three years left. You got Logan Diggs and Aldrick Estime. You've got Jadarian Price. Why do you need a fifth running back? This is why. This is why. Yep. Yep. Exactly. All right. So. Again, Logan Diggs with uh, labrum surgery on his shoulder. So, uh, you know, timeline that, that you just kind of laid out somewhere around training camp. We'll see what that actually means and how quickly he's able to heal from that. Um, Kyle Hamilton, 14th to the Ravens last night. All this talk about where he's going to go. You know, ultimately he doesn't end up going into the top 10, but seems like a pretty good fit for Kyle Hamilton. What would you think? Well, you know, that's the one, it's kind of like falling in the draft has a positive and a negative effect, right? The negative is obvious. It's financial. You, yeah. don't, get, you don't get paid as much if you get drafted lower. The positive is, is a lot of times you, you fall, you tend to go to a better, better organization. And that's what happened here, you know, with the going to the Ravens, who, who had a bit of a rough year last year. But, you know, it's a solid organization. They're going to bounce back. They had some injuries and things like that. So you, you put them in here, and, and it's a first-class organization. He's got several former – he's got former teammates there, not several. He's got one. But then other people he knows, obviously, they have Ronnie Stanley on campus or on the on that football team. And, yep. and then last year they drafted Dalen Hayes. And they drafted Miles Boykin a few years ago, but he was cut this offseason. He's now with the Steelers. But, you know, I think it's a good organization. I think it's a system that, that should fit him well. They've got two good safeties already. They signed Marcus Williams this offseason to a big contract. They got Chuck Clark. Which I think puts him in a situation, honestly, Sean, that reminds me a lot of the one he walked into at Notre Dame. If you remember when he was a freshman at Notre Dame, as good as he was, they didn't need to play him as an every-down safety to sure. start off with. He got to rotate in with Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman, and they would use him sometimes as part of a three-man safety group. Right. I think you can use him as a second-level defender. You know that linebacker, not a linebacker, but a linebacker level, like maybe like a rover type, and he can present some very unique matchups and. You know, and then so in a lot of ways, I think it's good for the Ravens, and I think it's good for Kyle Hamilton. And obviously, the 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 bank account took a bit of a hit, but he was also reported to be one of the highest paid NIL kids in the country last year. And that's the other thing about NIL is like, you know, he's going to be all right. He's he's going to be yeah. okay. He still made himself some money, and he's going to get a chance to play for a first class organization and a a system that I think fits him pretty well. Yeah, and I saw something this afternoon about endorsement deals that he already has in place I think because of his mm-hmm. NIL and stuff like mm-hmm. that so yeah that mm-hmm. definitely definitely helps um you mentioned Miles Boykin wide receiver at Notre Dame um you know who tested through the roof great 40 time and all that stuff there was the viral video after he ran the great 40 time at the combine a few years back and he ends up getting drafted pro career never really took off with the Ravens uh Kevin Austin Again, great 40 time and all that. I played a clip just a little bit ago about Chris Ballard, or from Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager, talking about one of the biggest transitions for college receivers to the NFL, you know, why it takes some guys longer. And he talked about the fact that basically the getting off the press, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that is kind of the man maker, I think, you know, for, for, for taking that step. And that's something that, that Kevin Austin is, you know, that's how much do you see that holding him back as he tries to make that transition now? I think it holds him back significantly. I, I think the, if you're just watching tape, it's a major problem. Yeah. It's, it's why Kevin at times looked like a 
day one, day two pick. And then other times look like a guy that should probably not be drafted. I mean, that that's that's the, the, the range of film that you saw from Kevin Austin this year. At times he looked like a kid that maybe could sneak into the first round, and at times they're like, this kid's awful. And completely got shut out by, by you know, Sauce Gardner completely dominated Kevin Austin. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you're a good scout, and, and I know Chris Ballard and his crew is first class, and they're going to talk to people in their name, they're going to do a deeper dive, and what they're going to find out is this kid wasn't coached. And that's the thing. So you got to ask yourself, some NFL teams are say, hey, look, this kid's raw, he hasn't been coached, give me him and I'll coach him up. But in the NFL, not every organization's like that. Some are like, look, this is the professional football. We shouldn't have to coach up how to get off right. the press. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so with some teams, it's going to hurt them. And with other teams, they're going to say, hey, this is you can't teach 6'2", you can't teach 210, you can't teach 443 and a 38-inch vertical. And it just depends on on what kind of organization you have. But, you know, that that's going to slow him down. It's going to keep him from being to that, that next-level guy. And, and I think that his athletic skill set is a little different from Miles. So I think he, he should learn it a little bit easier if he puts in the work, whereas Miles was a little bit of more long-limbed, and I think it was a little harder for him to kind of have some of the quick twitchiness that you need to get off the press that a Chase Claypool has that Miles doesn't. I think Kevin is more similar to Chase Claypool as a receiver style-wise than he is to, to Miles Boykin, which should help him. Right. But again, he's he, it, it, there's a lot of holes in his game technically. So it's just going to depend on our team's going to bank on the athletic talent that we can coach up, or is it a team that's looking for more ready-to-made, ready-to-play product? Did you see anything in the blue gold game that you know would lead you to believe that in a short amount of time, Chancey Stuckey has you know kind of taken a step up compared to where they were before under the absolutely coach? okay yeah absolutely like Braden Lindsay's a perfect example. There was four or five snaps where I'm like, eh, Braden, there, there you go again, right? Like you can't just the ball that he caught on the back shoulder, if you remember that early in the game. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That was actually a terrible release. If you go back and look, he just kind of took a little half-hearted jab and then just released vertically, and Chance Tucker was right all over him. You know, it just – the ball was so poorly thrown that only Braylon had a, Braden had a chance to catch it. Then there was other times where you're like, okay, there you go. You, you sold the outside. You jabbed them inside. Then you got outside or you leaned them outside and then snuck inside and then got back on top. There was one from Deion Colsey where – you know, the corner was playing him outside, and so he he kind of he stemmed him outside, got the guy to drift, and then ripped inside of him, got back vertical, broke inside. And on that particular play, if Ian Book throws the ball about a foot higher, it's a touchdown for Deion Colsey. So they, they showed me two things, Sean. One, they have definitely made improvement in a lot of the technical aspects, getting off the line, catching the football, top ends of their routes. And then the second thing they showed me is they're still very much a work in progress which I expected. I think you can make a big jump in 15 practices, but you're not completely fixing this whole thing in 15 practices. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, definitely a positive. Exactly. Positive. But it's still a lot of uh, lot of room to go, you know, like when you, you talk sure. about getting into the offseason and training camp next year and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Just, just the fact that you were able to see, you know, some of that in a oh, short yeah, You know time. me, Sean. I was looking for it. Sure you were. <laughs> sure you were. That's why I asked. <laughs> Brian Triscoll from Irish Breakdown. Dot com. Kenny Pickett ended up being the only quarterback drafted last night. Stayed home, going to the Steelers. I'm just not sold on Kenny Pickett. What do you think of him? 
I, I wouldn't have made the move, but I, I, I understand where the Steelers are coming from. Me personally, you know, I have concerns about how he didn't really become this guy until his fifth year. Exactly. That always is a little bit of a red flag for me. But, hey, some guys are late bloomers. You know, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't even a starting quarterback in high school until his senior year, and True. he wasn't even that good then, which is why he ended up at Miami of Ohio. So, you know, I, 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 I think he throws a good ball. I don't think he's got, like, a big arm. You know, I don't think he's a guy that I look at and say, you know, hey, he's a, a, a great, great athlete. He's a good athlete. He's a gamer and all that kind of stuff. He's a guy that if you'd have taken him in the third round, I'd have said, hey, you know what? That's a really nice pick. You know, maybe this guy will have a chance down the road. But, you know, this is a young man that in the the, the previous years as a, as a starting quarterback threw 12, 13, and 13 touchdowns. And then all of a sudden he comes out this year in an NFL system and throws 42 touchdowns. And it's just like, okay – this is kind of what you get into is do, do you believe the one year against let's be honest pretty mediocre competition exactly or do you look at the bigger picture of this whole thing and and that that's where i come from is i, I think he had a great year but he's not a guy that i look at and say hey i i this guy who boy you know he's a surefire thing i didn't give a first round grade to any of the quarterbacks to be completely honest with you yeah i i said I think you and I are on the exact same page with Pickett and the whole quarterback class. I wouldn't mm -hmm. have taken any of them in the first round. Uh, and and just everything that you said about Pickett, the fact that he was there for four years. And Five. It, yeah, well, yeah. Five. Well, I was getting yeah. ready to say for four years and then in the fifth year, all right. this blossoming, and as you said, against a subpar ACC that everybody talked about. Right, So. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's really only one quarterback I would have taken a chance on in the first round, and it's Desmond Ritter. That's the only one I would have taken a chance on because I think of all the quarterbacks, he's the guy that has the most upside to me, and and it you know he's his accuracy is an issue, but he's big, he's strong, he's got a big arm, and the thing, and even though I don't love his accuracy, the thing I like about Desmond Ritter is, the last year, this past season especially, he showed me in the Notre Dame game, even in the in the playoff game on a, on a couple throws, he showed me uh, in the in the conference championship game, he's 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 a gamer. In the big moments, he's going to battle. I thought he he didn't play great against Notre Dame. The pass rush got to him several times, but when he needed to make a big throw, he made some big time throws. He really impressed me with that. He's the only guy that I would have taken a flyer on, but honestly, I would probably not have taken any of them in the first round. Yep, I agree. Uh, we all love Kyron Williams, but the, you know all this talk about you know is he going to make it? Is he not? And you know the, where he's going to get drafted and the whole thing. What gives you the most confidence that Kyron Williams is going to stick in the NFL? Well, number there's two things. Number one is I think his game fits the NFL really well. You know, he, he's a guy that, that can catch the football. He's a really good pass blocker. He's a guy that can run the football. He's, he plays with some toughness. You know, he's not an every down bell cow in the NFL, but there's not a lot of teams that are looking for that. You yeah. know, I think his pass game success, the fact that he can run routes beyond the line of scrimmage, he's not just like a swing check down guy. He can – he can outrun people and because of his route running and he can catch the football. He's got good ball skills and his pass blocking or why. The other thing, too, is, is he's going to work. I mean, that's the thing about Kyron is he's going to – coaches are going to love him. He's not going to be this prima donna kid that you got to talk into working out and staying out of trouble and doing all that kind of stuff. The one thing about Kyron, whether you like his game, don't like his game, think it projects, don't think it projects, the one thing I think we should all be able to agree on when we analyze Kyron Williams, this kid is going to work hard. And he's going to be hungry because he was that way at Notre Dame. Yeah. 
and and that's those are the two things that give me hope that that he's going to have a chance to to have a, a fruitful and long Notre Dame or NFL career, you know, as a James White type of guy. Maybe not yeah. even an every down back, but you know, a Kevin Falk type. But Kevin Falk played a long time in the NFL, and I don't think he's ever a number one back. And I could see Kyron being that kind of guy. Yep, I agree. Uh, Osita Ekwanu's twin brother Ikum, who went to NC State, drafted six by the Panthers last night. Did did Notre Dame ever had a, have a shot? At him, you know, do you remember, like they didn't can, really recruit him, really, and, and and honestly, neither did anybody other any other big time programs. He just wasn't that kind of player huh. in high school. I mean, you know, they played at the same high school. He was a three star kid. He was like I think like ranked in the six hundred, seven hundreds in the country. Clemson didn't push for him. Notre Dame didn't push for him. Bam, Ohio State, none of those schools came and pushed for him. That's how he ended up NC State. So. He's just one of those kids that was a late developer. You know, I mean, Zion Way- Zion Johnson, I say Zion Williamson. <laughs> Zion Johnson, the kid that went to BC, he started his career at Davidson. Crazy. You know, he was – I coached – I played against Davidson in college. <laughs> and I was at a D3 school, you know. Uh, so, got, some guys are just late bloomers. You know, it just, it's just – it happens sometimes. And he was one of those guys. When I went back and watched his film. And it's like when Jesse Bates came out of Fort Wayne – you know, people were like, "How did Notre Dame miss him?" I'm like, "They didn't miss him. He just wasn't that good coming yeah. out of high school. Like he, it he happens sometimes. Later. Yeah, it does. Like Will Fuller is a senior. He went to the opening as in between before his senior year, the opening out in Oregon. If you remember, it's that big event uh-huh. where right. all the best high school players go. And I remember going a few years ago, and they were re- repeating 40 times of all the former guys that had been there, and they repeated Will Fuller's. And if I remember correctly, it was like in the mid, it was in the mid four fives. Like, so he wasn't that guy coming out of high school. He got faster when he got to Notre Dame. That happens sometimes. And yeah. I think that's what happened with with uh, Osita's brother. I, 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 It's not one – look, it would be easy for me because I was Jeff, a Jeff Quinn year. If I wanted to, like, take shots at Jeff Quinn or <laughs> sure. whatever, I go, oh, you know. But I don't fault Jeff Quinn because if I didn't say it was a miss at the time, then I can't look back and tell you that it was a miss at the time. Yeah. We all knew – we are, we were all aware of him. We all knew he had a twin brother, and he just wasn't a guy that, that – was a Notre Dame caliber player then. He yeah. certainly is now. That's, I mean, just everything that you outlined there, different guys develop at different rates, right. you know, which is also why you see group of five and division two and FCS guys, you know, ending up with NFL careers as yeah, well. Think so. about it. Two, two offensive linemen drafted in the top 20 last night were guys that be, went to FCS schools. One of them eventually transferred to Boston College. The other one spent his whole career at Northern Iowa. Yeah. And it, it happens. Yep. Brian Driscoll, irishbreakdown.com. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday, okay? Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the draft. Absolutely. You too. Brian Driscoll, irishbreakdown.com. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Jim Irizarry is going to join me. He has got his five sports wagers for you for the weekend. That is coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 